0: I came just yesterday. It's made all that I learned Yeiness
1: of life exam the Hello out there and welcome to another episode of things I learned this while learning other things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morihan, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope, enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today's episode is our podcast number one hundred and thirty five, the latest addition to our mini series entitled Bioblast Number Two Bite Sized Tastes of Notable Men. It should be subtitled I really should have changed seats with that guy so he might have taken better care of Eddie and Alex. Uh-oh. These tasty morsels, these biographical appetizers, hors divers, if you will, of, of the lives of the rich and the famous, the infamous, the rich, the poor, the notorious, the glorious, or or maybe even people like you or like me. Well, Like like anybody, though in reality, probably not like people like you or me. We return where we left off in our last episode, where I had mentioned Eddie Van Halen. Yes, Eddie Van Halen, the legendary guitarist, his rank on the Rolling Stone magazine list of the greatest guitarist ever places him at number eight. And, and while all these kinds of lists are, are personal preferences and, and non-quantifiable consideration as being a top 10 performer in rock and roll history means that Eddie Van Halen certainly had to be and was fabulous. Absolutely one of the most talented guitarists ever. and And no one can possibly argue this point. It's not possible. And guitarists don't. But as we started our last bio blast by stating that Lisa Marie Presley, her life filled with more than her fair share of trials and tribulations, no one can ever deny or dispute that Eddie Van Halen's extraordinarily unbelievable talent was matched only by the extent of his extraordinarily troubled soul, torment, turbulence followed Eddie like a shadow, and, and and from which there appeared to have been and exists very little relief as a possibility. Van Halen's um, drummer brother Alex was not without his own torments and private demons either, so there was going to be no help there. And so it was that in the late 1990s, and I guess it was 1998, on a United Airlines flight from Tokyo back to the United States, my my memory tells me it was San Francisco, as a frequent flyer, you know, a 1K status customer, as it was known back then, I was sitting in the first class cabin of an overwater 747 jumbo jet. You know, its configuration, you know, in kind of like the nose cone of the jumbo, allowed for the seating of a dozen passengers or so. And it's very quiet um, up there in front of that curtain separating first class seating from, from coach. The configuration, two seats on the left, two seats in the middle, two seats on the right. And I was in the aisle seat on the right side of the plane. And on airplanes, I'd read books. That's what I do. I might say hello to a passenger who sits down beside me. I, I'm not being discourteous. I'm being polite. I'm not rude. I smile, say hello, but, but I'm there to read. And at that time, I believed I had maybe four friends in the world, and I certainly wasn't looking to find a fifth on the flight. And a man, mid-40s, I guess, well-dressed, came and stood next to me and, and, and nicely asked if I might allow him to get by to his window seat that was next to mine. Well, of course. I stood um and and he seated himself we we exchanged a few pleasantries and I returned um to reading and and just prior to take off my seatmate got my attention somehow and he told me he was apologizing in advance. This is never good news by the way. He was apologizing in advance as he expected that he might have to get up from his seat more than I might think normal to quote, take care of things, end quote. He just wanted me to, you know, to let me know. Forewarned, forearmed sort of thing. And and then my first thought was, oh, he has a medical condition such that he might visit the have to visit the restroom more frequently than might the average passenger and he didn't want to appear rude, and it's no big deal. You know, having having taken 100 flights or more a year for more than 20 years, I was quite sympathetic to the discomfort, uh, the potential discomfort of a passenger should he have to have a medical condition that required a bathroom visit um, more frequently than than might be for others. And, and this was an accommodation that I could easily afford him. No big deal. And I, while I prefer aisle seats and still do because at that point in my life, I'd already had two back surgeries, and I liked the leg room and freedom that the aisle seat provided me. You know, perhaps I should offer to switch seats with him to make it easier. And then I thought, oh my goodness, maybe he has kids on board, and he hadn't been able to get seated near his kids. That would make this really a no-brainer. Switching seats just would have to take place. And i definitely offer to switch seats. I, I'm not a jerk, and, and and it's not that I won't try and accommodate a parent who's separated from his kids. I'd gladly take the window if it would allow him to be closer to his children. So I asked him, oh, do, do you have kids over there sort of nodding toward the middle seats? No, he had no kids. Oh in that assumption I was wrong no he said and then he whispered conspiratorially as 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 if there were a secret this was a secret worthy of a KGB agent and and, and he was sharing with me you know highly confidential classified information you know of a deep state nature well it's kind of kind of like, you know, information that Joe Biden leaves behind in his garage before son Hunter has had a chance to review it thoroughly, sort it out, deal with it and advise the big man as to what to do next. You know, prior to Hunter's trash disposal duties that will then of course be expected to kick in. But no, that was not the case here. No, I I'm the manager of Van Halen, he whispered shh, you know, sort of, I have to take care of Eddie and Alex too, maybe. And as he, as he whispered these words to me, he nodded his head in the direction, you know, of the middle of the cabin to which, you know, I then turned my head and I saw a a lump from the aisle across from me, under which there appeared to be a body beneath two great blankets. And I couldn't be sure. I mean, I couldn't see a body, but it did look like there might well be one there. You know, this is like the early days of Dan Silva, Gabriel Lone spy thrillers. And I thought to myself instantaneously, I am not changing seats so that this guy can, quote, take care of Eddie, end quote. Take care of Eddie? What's with this rock star crap? He's a grown man and, and what could this, what could this guy possibly do to take care of Eddie that lay beyond the professional capabilities of of three experienced flight attendants, all with long-term seniority in a union that values longevity beyond almost any other trait. This is international first class assignments where three flight attendants cared for like like just 12 passengers. 12 passengers with three crew. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that for the crew or the attendants. And there's no possible way that they can't satisfy whatever needs Eddie might have during the course of the flight and those of his brother Alex to wherever he was seated. I mean, what is this nonsense? But I was wrong. I hadn't yet realized the extent to which I was wrong. I hadn't reached the level of insight that Malcolm um, McDowell playing Alex in Stanley Kubrick's film of, you know, Anthony Burgess's, you know, Clockwork Orange had reached after he had been subjected to the Ludovico technique when he blurts out something like, but sirs, sirs, I see that it's wrong. It's wrong because it's against like society. It's wrong because every vec on earth has the right to live, be happy without being beaten and tolchuked and knifed. I've learned a lot. Oh, I really have or something like that. But so I just said, okay, Thanks to the Van Halen manager, no problem. And I went back to reading. Well, two or three hours into the flight, I heard screams. I mean, panicked howls. The bundle to my left was now moving in its seat. Something slithering under those blankets and it resembled like a a bolus of intertwined snakes confined beneath the blankets from under which there came these, there emanated these shrieks and a man emerged from underneath those, those blankets a caveman-like creature. It's Homo erectus man, whose hair is absolutely a mess. He's blinded by one of those um, disposable black sleep eye masks that United passes out, you know, to provide those in first class um, assistance to help you sleep. And the man is still mostly supine, but his face is, is contorted. It looks like in absolute agony. And it's Eddie Van Halen. And Eddie is screaming. And if I, if I were to try to spell out the spoken words, I mean, you can see why this would be startling coming from, you know, a grown man seated next to you on a 747, 11-hour flight from first class, in first class, from Tokyo to San Francisco. And the words would be spelled, say, A-A-A-A-R-R-R, then a space, and then R-R-A-A-R-R-R-R. Very, very loudly, sufficiently loudly that a flight attendant raced, you know, to determine why a passenger was in such throes, such anguish, distress on the United Airlines flight. And by the way, the Van Halen manager to my right, seated to my right, was immediately up and at him. He had crossed in front of me without waiting for me to get up to attend to his rock star in, in dire straits, if you will. Um, it's, it, this is something serious, I thought. Holy mackerel. Such unbearable pain. Eddie Van Halen was in, was, and he was incapable of speech. Words had failed him. It was beyond Eddie's capacity um, or desire to speak in the English language. I mean, or, or in my opinion, in any, it was, it was not a decipherable language. He simply wailed like an animal for reasons that nobody, as far as I can determine, on board appeared able to discern. I mean, what the hell's going on here? The band manager then was it was embarrassingly, in my opinion, obsequious in his efforts to calm the distraught Eddie down. It is still my belief that this manager guy began right from the jump. No pen intended. If you're not a Eddie Van Halen fan, you won't recognize jump. But he, he licked a boot. This manager did. He licked a boot that had not yet been proffered for licking. God, it was disgusting to witness a grown man. And despite the flight attendant's efforts to tell Eddie to get a grip on himself, Eddie yelled clearly and distinctly a word from the English language. He yelled out the word water. Then he proceeded to scream the words, I need water. Somebody get me a fucking water. Oh my God. you think that you'd think that Eddie Van Halen was enduring a killer thirst, you know, that equated to the suffering that had been experienced from what I've read by Alexander the Great and his troops um, as they endured a death march across the entirety of the barren, parched wastelands of the Gedrosian desert in what today is southern Baluchistan. And they did this in 325 BC. No, except Eddie, he, he wasn't He was reclining in a first-class seat on a United Airlines flight in the year 1998 A.D. This asshole wanted a bottle of water, and this is how he intended to get it? Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have let a two-year-old get away with this kind of bullshit temper tantrum. And this was a grown man. And after more dry-heave-inducing further boot-licking by the manager... Uh, Of Van Halen, he promised to get Eddie a water immediately, urgently, and he beseeched flight attendants to find water right now, while he calmly attempted to talk Eddie off, off, uh, who knows, some emotional cliff's edge. And after water had been found, a few sips and Eddie laid himself back down beneath the blankets and returned to sleep. No thanks, no apologies, no explanation, and apparently no no shame. I can't, and I have to admit, I can't say that the manager guy had worn, hadn't warned me. I mean, he was stroking Eddie's messed up hair, saying things like, love will get us through this, Eddie. We're all crazed, Eddie. There's, there's no cure for craziness. Be calm, Eddie. There's love out there, Eddie. That's the cure. Oh, my God, it was sickening. And obviously, this this was not this guy's first rodeo with Eddie Van Halen. And suffice it to say, Eddie repeated this kind of behavior, this kind of craziness, three or four more times during the flight, necessitating the, what I, what has to be the manager's ego-depleting, obsequious ass-kissing that he that he demonstrate this to quiet his obviously unstable rock star boss down, and then. Oh no! On one of these occasions, Alex Van Halen took this as an opportunity to announce his presence as some like zombie from Night of the Living Dead moment by by suddenly screaming out vituperous, angry, cursing insults at somebody whom at that particular moment did not appear to be present on our particular aircraft. Oh my God, it, it was like one of those scenes from the movie Taxi with Robert De Niro where he stares at himself in the mirror and yells, presumably, at, at someone other than himself, you know, who not present in that bathroom at that moment. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Well, are you? It was that kind of moment. And Alex, the other Van Halen, he was simply having one of those moments. I'm sure we all do. Oh my God. In in his mind, Alex Van Halen may or may not have been alone. I'm not sure. And I'm not sure it was clear to him at that moment either. In our minds, the other passengers' minds, it was totally clear. Both these Van Halen brothers were totally nuts. And if it's true that rock and roll heaven, you know they have a hell of a band sort of thing from my experience with the gods of rock and roll high in the skies over the Pacific Ocean on a United Airlines flight, heaven better have not only a great rock band, it better have a first-class mental facility that um, will be ready when these clowns finally enter the pearly gates, of which Eddie has. But let me conclude my Van Halen up close and personal experience by saying the bootlicking manager was a nervous wreck throughout the remainder of the flight whenever he was seated next to me he could never relax never take his eyes off of the Van Halen brothers. He was jumpy as hell as he awaited the next emotional eruption. Again, if you understand Van Halen, sure to come when he'd have to attend to the imperious but emotional wreck that was his boss, Eddie Van Halen, across the aisle. And and his subservient manner and his obvious awareness that his job he ultimately depended upon his sycophantic fawning, you know, over the, you know, a failing Eddie in his moments of distress. This appeared to me to be a fireable offense. And, and, And that meant that there were five things that were totally clear to me in this moment. Eddie was not all there. Number two, this manager's job required he toady up big time. All the time fulfilling Eddie's every want or desire. Number three, failing Eddie would be unthinkable because number four, hoovering Eddie's, hoovering Eddie was was absolutely his duty. And five, oh, in order to recapture even a, a measure of self-respect to overcome the unavoidable ego depletion, this. Manager, I mean, from all this hoovering, it, you know, all all I can think of is this manager in turn probably really mistreated his staff horribly. Because I have found that in my life, people who kiss ass so ardently and are so, I think the word is oleogenously servile in sucking up to their superiors. They only reach emotional neutrality after having taken it out on someone inferior to them in rank. And it is just a disgusting character trait. And And that's why I never for a moment ever thought of joining a college fraternity. Never. I had never any interest in having my ass paddled by some frat boy. And I had you know, in return, no interest in paddling some pledge boy's naked ass. And I'll and I'll be honest with you, I still wonder about all those that do. Well, at long last the eruption. <laughs> The eruption on that flight that had to occur occurred. You know, it's like when volcanologists get all sketchy as increased seismic activity in the vicinity of an active volcanic crater signals that sooner or later that main vent has just got to blow. Exactly when nobody knows. The Krakatoa, Vesuvius, or or modern like Ukraine, Russia. Chernobyl, a Chernobyl event. But at some point, it's got to erupt. The building, increasing pressure will and must be released. The explosion is coming, but can't be foretold. But it's coming. It can't be avoided. And that's where Eddie sat up rigid in his seat. And that is where this is the point at which we will continue the story in our next episodic bio blast number three. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope someday you'll have your rock and roll star moment, but we hope you have a nice day. A peaceful one at that. Goodbye. <music>
0: As I get older, picture grows clear. Too many whiskeys, women, and beer. Nights have proved trouble, but mornings are worse. Nothing I've done has ever quenched my thirst. I'm all alone. So close, overcome by the gloom. Times like these, I just have to admit I made nothing of myself, not one little bit. So come on, sweet ladies, walk over my way? Today Tomorrow will be different I'll meet a woman on means I'll change the man I became in my teens No more wins. Get a job or kick it in gear. I squandered my life, wasted my time. All I ever needed was a partner in crime. I'll be there for her. You just wait. I'll be the man I've always wanted to be So come on sweet ladies waltz over my way I'm a new man Starting today mm-hmm. One more beer Old times say, I'll be a new man when tomorrow I wake. So let's just enjoy that last sip of beer. I'll be unrecognizable by the end of the year. Time has grown short years have rolled by, opportunity wasted, and I just don't know why, today I awoke, but all I can say is I've paid the price for living there. over my way I'm a new man starting today